With your host, Ohio State basketball beat writer Adam Jardy. Brady Bajis has given me the run. Here it goes. Up, up, and away. Slap, jam, bam. And now he does a little dance. Now, now, the Buckeye Extra Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Adam Jardy from the Columbus Dispatch. Today is Friday, March 18th, 2022. And it's my official duty to welcome you into episode 257 of the Buckeye Extra Men's Basketball Podcast. Welcome to Jubilation City. Welcome to Pittsburgh. Welcome to the second round. I'm sitting here in my hotel room. We are about eight hours removed from tip-off from Ohio State's first round NCAA tournament game earlier today at PPG Paint Arena, where seven-seated Buckeyes led for 32 minutes and 37 seconds, trailed for only two minutes and seven seconds, thoroughly dominated Loyola Chicago on the defensive end, and emerged with a 54-41 victory to advance to the second round of the NCAA tournament. The Buckeyes will now face number two seed Villanova, a team that Chris Holtman is quite familiar with, and a coach that Chris Holtman is quite familiar with, uh, at a to-be-determined time Sunday. I'm recording this. It's about 8 o'clock at night, and we don't have the start times yet for the Sunday games. That won't be announced until sometime much, much later this evening. Uh, most likely by the time you listen to this, that will already have been announced. And I'll have a, I have a story all ready to go, and that'll be published at dispatch.com and buckeyeextra.com as soon as we get those start times. So uh, so the stay in the Steel City will be extended for uh, at least a couple more days here. So there's a lot to get into with this game, the buildup to this game, how this game unfolded. Let's Let's run down the box score here real quick. So Ohio State was led by EJ Liddell's double-double. EJ had 16 points and 10 boards, nine defensive rebounds. As Ohio State out-rebounded Loyola Chicago 41-31, to uh, Malachi Branham had 14 points on five of seven shooting. He was perfect on four free throw attempts. EJ Liddell drew seven fouls and committed one foul. He also had three blocks and assist and three turnovers in 34 minutes, 39 seconds. Kyle Young made his, I would call it a triumphant return after missing uh, the last several games with a concussion. Played a season high 34 minutes, 54 seconds. He was four of 10 from the floor, had seven rebounds and nine points, an assist, a steal, a block, two turnovers. We'll talk more about him uh, in a moment, but he was he was phenomenal. Ohio State also started uh, Gene Brown and Jamari Wheeler. Uh, Jamari played 30 minutes. He had four points on four shots, four rebounds, one assist, two turnovers. Uh, Gene Brown in 20 minutes and 52 seconds had four points, a rebound, an assist, and a turnover, and a block. It was a big block, too. Michi Johnson off the bench hit a three. It's only a second three-pointer um, since coming back from the uh, ankle injury. And it ended up being the only three-pointer on the night for Ohio State, and we'll talk more about that in a moment as well. Uh, but he, So he hit a three. He was the first sub off the bench. I thought he did some things for Ohio State that we haven't seen him do in a while. 14 minutes, 57 seconds. Uh, Zed Key also made his return to the lineup. He came off the bench. He had two points, seven rebounds in 11 minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, Justin Arns uh, was scoreless in 12 minutes and 33 seconds. Cedric Russell hit two free throws in 10 minutes and 25 seconds. 
Jimmy Sotos, Harrison Hookfin, and Joey Brunk all got off the bench for the last 41 seconds. Uh, you had a number of Ohio State players make their NCAA tournament debuts in this game. I'll run down some of those other numbers uh, here in a moment. Uh, Loyola Chicago, on the other hand, the uh, Ramblers were 15 of 56 from the floor. They took 13 more field goal attempts than Ohio State and scored 13 fewer points in a game that the teams combined did not reach 100. Loyola was 8 of 28 from 3, 28.6%. 3 of 10 from the line, 30%. That was tough. That was, that was, if you're the underdog, you're the lower seeded team and you're trying to knock or, you know, pull off the upset, going 3 for 10 from the free throw line is never a, a good way to, to get at that. Uh, Braden Norris led Loyola with uh, 14 points on 5 of 13 shooting. No other player uh, finished in double figures. Uh, the Ramblers' leading scorer coming in, Lucas Williamson, who was every bit the defensive pest that he was billed to be. He had four points on one of ten shooting. He was one of five from three. He missed five shots from inside the arc. He's also one of six from the line. So just an all-around rough day uh, for Lucas Williamson. And that's one of the many things you got to give Ohio State's defensive pressure and uh ball screen de- or on ball defense um, as much credit as it's gotten all season. When you, when you take a guy who was their leading scorer and there were 16 times that the ball left his hand and had a chance to go in the rim and he made two of them. He did finish with six assists, um, but otherwise uh, three turnovers, three steals was a pest defensively, but really did nothing offensively. Uh, the mocks, like I said, eight of or the mocks. Sorry, I'm watching. I have Illinois and Chattanooga on right now. Chattanooga is up 37-29 with 18 minutes to go in the game. I had every intention of picking Chattanooga in the upset and could not bring myself to do it. And I'm just kicking myself right now. But as we have well established, I know nothing about brackets. I had Iowa and Kentucky in my final four. We see how that went. Chattanooga just hit another three. It's 40 to 29. Illinois players are yelling at each other on the court right now on the. Fighting a line, I just took a timeout. Um, getting back to, to this game here, Ohio State, like I said, one of 15 from three, 6.7%. That was that was a thing. The Buckeyes were 17 of 21 from the line. Uh, they drew uh, they drew 16 fouls. Excuse me. They drew 19 fouls, committed 16 fouls, but had, <clears throat> excuse me, had 20 or 11 more free throw attempts than Loyola Chicago. The the teams, both teams got off to an ugly start. There wasn't much in the way of uh, aesthetically pleasing basketball for large stretches of this game, but particularly early. Um, at one point, uh, the teams combined to go scoreless on eight straight possessions as Ohio State held a 9-7 lead. Uh, 15 shots at that point were three-point attempts, and one had been made. That was by Loyola. Ohio State took the lead and took the lead for good with a stretch uh, later in the first half. The Buckeyes were trailing 11-9 after Loyola Chicago scored on consecutive possessions. And it was with 7 minutes and 13 seconds left that Malachi Branham got his first shot attempt because Loyola Chicago was really being physical at the point of attack, really trying to be disruptive when Ohio State was was had the ball in the backcourt and was able to, to really impose its will at times at that end of the court in the early going. And admit Malachi wasn't even getting looks. Like he would get the ball and he, he lost it a couple of times. Um, 
just was not a good offensive flow early, but then he kind of got going. He hit a jumper from kind of straight on. Uh, they got Buckeyes forced a three point miss. Brandon hit a jumper off of a uh, baseline out of bounds play. Then he had the early highlight where he stole the ball uh, at the top of the circle from uh, Ryan uh, Schweiger, flew up the court and dunked it. 6-0 run personally for Branham. That put Ohio State ahead 15-11. And then on the uh, next possession, uh, Lucas Williamson had his shot blocked. Then he missed a shot. Ohio State came down. Liddell got fouled, hit two free throws. With 5.32 to go, it was an 8-0 run for Ohio State. They put the Buckeyes ahead 17-11. to And Loyola never really was able to, to mount a challenge from there. I mean, Ohio State led 23-18 at the half. It could have been more. The Buckeyes turned over on three straight possessions to close the half, but then came out and opened the second half on a 6-0 run, forced Loyola to call a timeout that made it 29-18 Ohio State uh, just a couple of minutes into the second half. To that point, Loyola was 7 of 32 from the floor, 21.9%, and 3 of 14 from three, and it just never got better. Loyola cut it to eight once, cut it to eight, I'm sorry, two more times, and then Ohio State pushed it to 14. And the closest Loyola got from there was uh, was a nine-point deficit on a three-pointer from uh, Braden Norris in the left corner that made it 48-39 Ohio State with 225 to go. But then Malachi Branham uh, got fouled on an offensive rebound, put back with 204, hit the free throws. It was double digits the rest of the way. Ohio State led by as many as 15 uh, the Buckeyes outscored Loyola 26-14 to in the paint. Ohio State did uh, commit 17 turnovers, which is certainly, if, if you want to find something to be concerned about, and that has something to do with why Loyola took 56 shots and Ohio State took 43 shots. But it was that's just kind of how, uh, how this game played out. So um, I'm going to take a real quick break, and when I come back, we're going to dive a little bit more into it. Now, I want to remind you, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you enjoy the finest of podcasts as we are ankle deep, knee deep in uh, the, the waters of March Madness. Um, I'll be recording pretty frequently here. So if you're subscribed, it'll just immediately pop into your phone or tablet or wherever else you enjoy your finest podcasts. And while you're subscribing, if you would, please leave a review. Please click five stars. Please consider telling a friend. Thank you to everyone who has taken the time to do that. And I apologize for the awkward outro slash intro from the last part of the podcast to this part. Just was able to uh, FaceTime with my wife and the boys back home and see how everybody was doing. It's uh, becomes very quick or very quickly becomes very long days. And suddenly you realize that you haven't seen your family all day. So when they called, I had to had to take that call. I needed to see the boys. So, um, so having said all that, now let's let's get into Kyle Young's return and what this was like and what this meant. Um, as you know, I, I reported it on Thursday morning that Kyle Young and Zed Key would both be back in the lineup. Ohio State was kind of coy about it at interviews on Thursday as well as during the open practice session, but definitely hinted at it. And when the Buckeyes went through their open practice, both Zed and Kyle were out there and, and they didn't do any real running, but they were taking shots and, and looked very much to be involved. And then early Friday morning, Ohio State did put out official confirmation that both would be available for the game. Wasn't sure what that would what that would ultimately look like. And what it did look like was Kyle Young returning to the starting lineup, Zed Key coming off the bench. 
and Ohio State using the versatility of a lineup with Kyle Young, EJ Liddell, Malachi Branham, Gene Brown, and Jamari Wheeler to really impact Loyola's offense at a high level. Uh, the, the likes of which I've not seen Ohio State play like this in quite some time defensively. This was this was something this was something else, and we'll talk more about that in a moment. But to stick with with Kyle here, so uh, he had nine points, seven boards, a steal, an assist. Played thirty four minutes, fifty four seconds. Eight days ago, he couldn't even sit on the team bench to see Ohio State lose in the well the second round of the Big Ten tournament. Um, and he said that during the, these 17 days between when he suffered the concussion and when he played here against uh, the Ramblers, he wasn't sure if he'd be able to return at all. He said, he said, just even putting my jersey on today, taking a moment to reflect on it, because after the last time when it was out recently, I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to come back or not. Being able to put the jersey on today meant a lot to me, being able to go to war with these guys. So definitely took a moment to reflect on it and be very appreciative of being able to be out there. This was only his third NCAA tournament game. He was not the team's leading scorer or rebounder, but it was so clear watching this game what an impact Kyle made. Holtman said, quote, he just provides provides a bunch, so much on both ends, and a lot of its versatility. And been saying it really for two years now. It's evident in a game like this. I, I, I was digging through some of the numbers and saw that Ohio State outscored Loyola Chicago 46-33 to when Kyle Young was on the court. And during the five minutes and six seconds where he was taking a rest, they played to an eight-all standoff. So Ohio State won the game by 13 and outscored Loyola by 13 when Kyle Young was on the court. EJ Liddell said, quote, having Kyle back is great. I felt like everybody who stepped foot on the floor was determined, ready, had a mentality that we can't be beat and won't be beat. I feel like if we keep that same mindset, we'll be good to go. Kyle said that it was uh, sort of late last week that he started to make progress in his return. He said just waking up a couple of days in a row, like he could feel himself getting better. He cleared all the protocols. He didn't say exactly when, but then he once he was cleared, then he was worried about his conditioning. And that was something that I thought um, was certainly worth wondering what that would look like. And it's part of why I had sort of tempered my expectations that even if Kyle could return, how effective would he be? What would he look like? Because you you go back, and when he's had to miss time, it's it's generally taken him a, a little while to get back into the swing of things. Like uh, this, in the start of the season, you know, he misses the Akron game uh, with the vestibular dysfunction that had limited him throughout the preseason, and then had five points, seven rebounds in the that slog of a win against Niagara. Had eight points in the, the win against Bowling Green five rebounds uh it it takes it took him a little while there to kind of get back into the flow same thing coming back after he missed the the uh, road win against nebraska a game where ohio state was playing its first in 22 days and kyle uh was out with what was described as like an illness but not a COVID illness and then he came back in the road game to against indiana excuse me four days later three points two rebounds in only 17 minutes just in general, the way that he plays, it seems like it takes him a game or two to get those legs back underneath him to get fully back into the the swing of things, and that was that was one hundred percent not the case in this game. I mean, he was he was active early, uh, he was impactful at both ends. He had Ohio State's first field goal of the game, 
which also happened to be his first ever points in an NCAA tournament. Uh, he had a slam dunk 1554 mark of the first half that uh, made it a five to four uh, loyal Chicago lead. Kyle said, quote, I spent last week trying to get my conditioning back up a little bit, having been out some of the previous games to be able to be back on the floor and play with them. That's part of my game, getting on the floor. That was going to help me impact the game. I had to do what I had to do tonight. He did it at a pretty high level, and it was another just reminder of how vital he is to what this team is and really how much this team missed Kyle when he was unavailable for that stretch. All right, so how about that defense? It was very clear to me fairly early on that Ohio State looked as dialed in and as ready to play defense as the Buckeyes have in some time. And there have been stretches this season where that has been the case. I think you go back and honestly look at the Penn State game just uh, eight days earlier. I thought that first half Ohio State looked pretty dialed in and was scrapping for loose balls and pulling down rebounds and just looked to be uh, playing at a a higher level than, than I suppose than we had seen second half against Michigan, uh, stretches of, well, I guess basically the whole Nebraska game, stretches of that Maryland game. Uh, it gave me some idea that this team could play at that level, but I just we were start. I was fair to start to wonder how much they could sustain that and if they could bring maximum effort needed to play high level defense for a full forty minutes. The return of Zed and Kyle certainly factored into that and certainly in hindsight should have given more uh, optimism that, that that could be the case but it you could see from from where I was as this game unfolded that Loyola was just getting more and more frustrated with the fact that things that normally worked for the Ramblers were not working in this game they weren't able to get open if they got open they missed a shot Ohio State's ability to contest things at the rim became contagious as the game went on and really started to mentally i feel like affect loyola's players to where even when they got a look that they should make or a look that they should convert they couldn't and boy some of the numbers on this game loyola's offensive efficiency it was loyola chicago's second worst offensive efficiency performance in the entire ken palm era which dates back to the 01 or excuse me the 2000 2001 season it was tied for loyola's third worst two-point shooting percentage game 25 percent and tied for the fifth lowest scoring output in loyola's history since ken palm started ohio state only allowed Loyola to make seven two-point shots. This was a team that, as we sit here now, and I should have screenshotted um, some of Loyola's statistics entering the game, but when you look at their numbers on the season, one of the things that impressed me was how effective they were shooting. This is the team that is 18th in the nation at three-point shooting percentage, 37.6, and 24th in the nation, shooting 54.9% from two. Loyola Chicago made 25% of its two-point attempts against Ohio State. That's shocking. That's just, that is a level of defense that Ohio State has not mustered in a good while. And the fact that they were able to be as aggressive as they were, as dialed in as they were. Uh, it was 
really clear to me how effective they were able to be uh, switching on screens and going over screens and just not letting the Ramblers get into any sort of real sense of offensive flow. Um, Everything was hard for Loyola on offense. And there were times where it was hard for Ohio State. Stretch of eight straight empty possessions when the Buckeyes had a nine to seven lead during the first half, but it was never this hard. And Ohio State was able to get to the line and convert when it got there. In the first half, Loyola had buckets on back to back possessions just once. When Ohio State was up nine to seven and Loyola scored on two straight possessions to take an 11 to seven lead. And then as you get into the second half, as I'm flipping through my play by play, uh, well, I didn't, I didn't chart the last like four possessions of the game because once Ohio State was up 54 to 41 in the final minute, um, that was it. But they never scored on back-to-back possessions in the second half. They just could never string anything together. And a lot of that was due to just Ohio State really being connected at that end, cutting off every time Loyola seemed to come around a screen or think that they could get a little bit of an opening. There was somebody there, somebody ready to contest a shot. And this ended up being, on the season for Ohio State, its uh, second-best defensive efficiency performance of the season. The only one that was better was when the Buckeyes beat the crap out of IUPUI back on January 18th in a game that uh, was just a ridiculous mismatch. I mean, IUPUI, literally worst team in Division I men's college basketball this year, 358th in Ken Palm. Then they had no bodies by the end of the season. They were playing five dudes 40 minutes because that was literally the entire roster. So you kind of throw that game out the window. But Loyola, uh, 65.2 points per 100 possessions. That's a full five points lower than Ohio State's second best uh, defensive performance against uh, a team that's not the worst team in college basketball. Minnesota was at 70.9 points uh, back on February 15th. When you look at effective field goal percentage, this was Ohio State's best game. Uh, held Loyola Chicago to an effective field goal percentage of 33.9%. Uh, the Ramblers, uh, were they got a couple of offensive rebounds, nothing of, of major note. The two-point shooting percentage of 25% was far and away Ohio State's best of the season. The three-point shooting percentage was about middle of the pack uh loyal at 28.6 percent that tied with um that's what iowa shot against ohio state from three in a 75 to 62 win and it's also what duke shot against ohio state from three in a 71 66 ohio state win so it's a top third of the season um defensive performance as far as three-point defense goes but then you start looking at those numbers and also view them in the context of ohio state's offense which historically does not win when it scores 54 points. So this got me thinking a little bit when I got back to my hotel room about when's the last time Ohio State even scored this few points. And it wasn't that long ago, back when they lost at Indiana on January 6th, Ohio State lost 67 to 51. So it's happened this season. The Buckeyes entered this game 0-6 under Holtman when scoring 54 points or fewer. And you go back further, Ohio State had lost eight straight games when not hitting at least the 55-point mark. And the last time Ohio State won when it scored 54 points or fewer, boy, if you remember this game, you you have my, my thoughts and prayers. Ohio State won at Illinois 
48 to 39 back on February 15th, 2014. Aaron Kraft led all scorers in that game with 14 points, a game that had 87 combined points between the two teams. So Ohio State had that kind of an offensive game and still won. Had an offensive game where the Buckeyes hit one three-pointer. And that one three came from Michi, who has barely played in the last month, has clearly fallen, at least I thought clearly, had fallen out of the rotation, but ended up being the first sub off the bench in this game. And was able to be aggressive defensively and use his speed and and just pressure uh, Loyola to where when Jamari Wheeler had to come out of the game, it wasn't a significant drop-off at that end. And he hits a three, um, which was only his second one, like I said, since coming back from, from the ankle injury. Uh, at that point, Ohio State led 36 to 23. There was 13 minutes and 39 seconds to go. I said it was only Michi's second made three since he returned for the Iowa game back on February 19th. Ohio State to that point was 0 of 10 from three. And the Buckeyes would attempt four more after Michi's make. They missed all of them. So Ohio State shot 6.7% from three. This is the second time this season that Ohio State has made seven fewer three-pointers than their opponent. Because Loyola Chicago hit eight. Ohio State only hit one. Back in the 78-68 loss at number 13 Wisconsin back on January 13th Wisconsin hit 10 threes Ohio State hit three and I realize I have a typo as I'm looking at this I got to go online and and fix my my notebook Um, the last time that Ohio State won by making seven fewer threes than its opponent came back as everyone was getting back into the swing of things following COVID the Buckeyes beat UMass Lowell 74-64 on November 29th 2020 that was a game where Ohio State was 4 of 18 from 3, and UMass Lowell was 11 for 30. Now, this is the fewest number of made three-pointers in a game for Ohio State since the Buckeyes were 0 for 11 in a 72-64 road loss to Indiana back on March 2nd, 2014. So, yeah, if you you're, we're talking about uh, some rough offensive stretches, yeah, think back to that 2013-2014 team and um, what that team suffered through um, offensively in, in a season that ended with the 60-59 to NCAA tournament loss to Dayton. That team did not do a lot offensively. It finished 103rd in adjusted offensive efficiency. This Ohio State team now, in case you're curious, after this game and after this defensive performance has climbed to 105th in defensive efficiency. I think they were like in the 120s or 130s coming out of that Penn State game. That's how much this bumped their numbers. And the Buckeyes are 12th nationally in in adjusted offensive efficiency uh, at the moment. So uh, definitely the defense took a step in this game. Um, We'll have interviews on Saturday afternoon, I believe starting like 1, 1.30 uh, with Ohio State players and then Chris Holtman and then Villanova players and Jay Wright. So we'll I'll dive more into the specifics of that matchup as we get closer to the game. Look for uh, content like Saturday night going into Sunday morning. But one of the other things that we would be remiss talking about this game if we didn't bring this up was the fact that this had to be honestly probably the most 
pressure that Chris Holtman has probably ever really felt to win a game. I mean, aside from when he was the interim coach at Butler and you know, he was trying to obviously earn the full-time job, which he did. Um, but I think it's fair to say that given where things had been the last several weeks and the growing conversation about the direction of the program and about the job that Holtman was doing and with all of that, I mean, this was a loss he, they could not afford. And I don't know that losing this game would have led to any sort of significant conversations about the future and where Chris Holtman fit into all of that. I don't know that those conversations would have taken place. And I mean, there's, I guess I, there's a lot about that that we don't know, but it's clear that the pressure was there. And I think it's, it's fair to recognize that and to acknowledge that and also to wonder what sort of impact that had. And I thought that like EJ Liddell was his comments in the in Thursday's press conference about how um, you know people have forgotten what this team is like when it's healthy, and you know him saying you're going to see a different team tomorrow. I thought that was a nod to what Ohio State had been going through and being aware of the criticisms and of their their struggles and of coming up short down the stretch in the season. So I got the last question for for Holtman here on on Friday after the game. And he had made a reference earlier in his in his um, press conference about social media and just just sort of the in general narrative about um, the team because of where they had played rec- or where they had been recently and and how things had gone. The question was was along the lines of you know given how the games have gone down the stretch, uh, what gave you confidence you could go into this game with this game plan? and win Uh, he called it a rock fight given that the defense hadn't necessarily played up to standards leading in and holtman said this whole i think narratives get played on social media and all that that is just not really accurate we just focused on winning the next possession we felt like our defense really we could hang our hat on our defense right now and we did that when we've struggled closing games and i answered that last week it's because our defense has not been sound enough for long enough so he he made reference to the narratives on social media. So this was my, the final question where I said, I said, Chris, you just mentioned narratives on social media. And obviously there was pressure coming into the game, given how the end of the season had gone. I know you had internal confidence. You'd be healthy and that would make a difference, but what were the 48 hours like leading into this game for you? And what did it feel like to come out of it with a win? And so here was Holtman's answer. He said, for me personally, you really have to have tunnel vision as much as anything during these times. Listen, it's, it's not pleasant when people say negative things about you. And I never got into coaching for any type of notoriety. I struggled over that word today. Positive press or negative press. So it's always an adjustment for you when you have the criticism. But it comes with the territory, and I understand that. Pressure is a privilege. And he went on a little bit more and talked about tunnel vision, moving on to whoever we play next. Um, he said, we felt... We certainly felt as a group pressure to perform at a more consistent level. We felt confident we could do it at full strength. And to me, that was such an underrated talking point coming into this game. And I know I talked about it on the pod. I wrote about it in at least one or two stories. But just the wonder of what would a rested Ohio State team be able to do? I mean, this was a, it was clear Ohio State had more talent than Loyola Chicago. Like, that's, that's not debatable. So the question was, would they be able to point that talent in the right direction? And I felt like in hindsight, when you looked back on 
the Iowa State win in Holtman's second season, when you gave him and his staff a full week to prepare, their guys came out with a pretty good game plan and were able to execute it. And I thought this reminded me of that situation, and it's certainly not apples to apples, but there was plenty of reason coming into this to think that a healthy Ohio State team that also was a little bit more rested would be able to play at a higher level than what we had seen the last couple of games. Now, does that mean I thought that they would score 54 points and win that they would go one of 15 from three and win um no i i mean those those things did not see coming but i think you saw a team that was playing with a real purpose and they were as connected again as, as i think we've seen in a while they got a real jolt from getting kyle back from, from getting zed back and i think it makes this this game on sunday really interesting there are teams that i would not want ohio state to have to match up with right now Villanova might not be one of those teams. I mean, the the Wildcats are elite. I mean, they're they're a two seed for a reason. Um, but there's also some familiarity there. Uh, Chris Holtman's won three straight against Villanova. Uh, Ken Palm at the moment projects it as a 71-66 Villanova win. Ohio State with a, a 34% uh, chance of winning. Ohio State was also projected as, I think, a three or four point underdog to Loyola Chicago here on, on Ken Palm as well. A quick glance at Villanova tells you that they are 27 and seven. They're ninth in adjusted offensive efficiency and 28th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, they are the number one free throw shooting team in the country. 82.5%. They're 53rd in three point field goal percentage, 145th in two point field goal percentage. And as a team, uh, Villanova is 110th in average height and 52nd in experience. So they're big. They're not necessarily huge. They're ex- they're old. They're kind of what you expect from Vill- from a Villanova team that's just well coached and well run. And I mean, we know what Jay Wright can do, but they're also not blessed with great size. Uh, their primary post player, Brandon Slater, power forward, 6'7", 220. Center, Jermaine Samuels, 6'7", 230. Uh, backed up by uh, sophomore Eric Dixon, 6'8", 255. They've got dudes, and their guard play is certainly something to be concerned about. And we'll get, like I said, more into the matchups here on this here in the next two days. But I just will close this one by saying that I think that there is a realistic Ohio State has a little bit more than a puncher's chance of winning this game. I kind of felt like coming in that if they won the first game, they would win the next one. Very similar to last year in the Big Ten tournament, where I felt like if Ohio State could get past um, Minnesota in the first in the its opening round game, I felt like Ohio State had a run in it. And this feels a little bit similar to that. But like I said. I've said three times now we'll dive more into that matchup here in the next day or two, and I keep coming back to it. So it probably means I'm rambling, and it's a good time to end this podcast here. But look for lots of stuff uh, between now and when that game uh, tips off. Like I said, interviews on Saturday, I believe starting at around 1, 1.30. So I have lots of content from that. No open practice in between games like this, so there won't be anything like that. Just a lot of quotes and a lot of interviews. We'll see what we can we can get and i'm going to try to ask somebody about those doggone basketballs because they do seem to be bouncing differently and both teams were certainly struggling with that if there was a stat i didn't point out enough is that ohio state did have six assists to 17 turnovers in this game and they're not going to beat villanova with 17 turnovers i think we can all agree on that 
But now I'm going to get out of here. Uh, Illinois found a way to make it happen and beat Chattanooga. So the Big Ten is 3-0 at this point today. And we'll, uh, the Wisconsin-Colgate game will be getting underway here in about 10, 15 minutes. So I'm going to watch some more Iowa State-LSU. And then we'll see where the evening takes us. Michigan State has an 8-7 to lead on Davidson in the early going. Big day for the Big Ten. As always, you can send along your questions, your comments, your love notes, your hate mail, and otherwise constructive criticism to me at Adam Jardy on Twitter or ajardy at dispatch.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you to Patrick Flaherty, the podfather, for making this all happen. I'll be back with you. I'll probably record something quick Saturday night, maybe just like some quick little roundups of what happened uh, or what was said at interviews. Um, and then something else on Sunday, whenever the game is over. So look for that. And until we speak again, thanks. Be sure and subscribe to the Buckeye Extra podcast in the iTunes store, the Google Play store, or on Stitcher.